Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of James Talks. Uh, great to have you here again today. Um, I'm really excited today to talk to um, my new friends um, from the Midwest, the very west of the Midwest in America, um, Kathy Escobar and Carl Wheeler, um, who are from the Faith Circus podcast. So welcome. Um, really great to have you. We're happy to be with you. Thanks for inviting us. Um, yeah, it's really, really great to have you. Um, I've uh, been listening to Kathy and Carl's podcast for a while. It's a great podcast. I would recommend it. Um, really challenging, really um, thought-provoking, very honest. Some interesting thoughts on church and faith and things, so check that out. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk to them today and yeah, see where it goes. So, yeah, Kathy and Carl, just tell us a bit about yourselves and your stories. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought I started well, a close-ended question. Go you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. you want a short version of that, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, yeah, kind not the not the kind of ten-hour version. Yeah, right. but, uh, just the <laughs> slightly edited, but yeah. Okay. Just right, go, go ahead. So, Kathy and I met um, eleven years ago, about working on the staff of a big, big church. And the short story is that didn't end well for either one of us. Um, and, and, not, and not horribly. It wasn't horrible, horrible. But what, what we discovered is we're not made for megachurch world. The, the, I don't know what it's like in UK, but there's, a, there's sort of a, this is terrible, like there's a stereotypical megachurch. Is that accurate? There is a stereotypical. Okay, so there's a stereotypical. And we didn't, know any, we didn't know that we didn't know we didn't fit in that. We were somewhat naive in that because we enjoyed what we were doing. Long and short of it is we we left that to begin a community, co-pastoring a community um, that was uh, really oriented around some values, values of shared leadership, uh, full equality for women, and then listening and giving power to people that are marginalized. Mm. What else, how else could you... Yeah, I would say that the Refuge has always been, like, a transformational healing community. Like, never, you don't, like, go to church at the Refuge. I don't, I don't, I'm not aware of anybody that goes to church at the Refuge. Yeah. It is somehow being part of a body and participate. The other high value is participation. So everyone playing, everyone interacting, everyone bringing their story their honest story and then their reflections or two cents or you know whatever to the table that's always been from the very beginning yep. yeah and, and, uh, and uh, in, in our dna would be this healing ethos recovery ethos um 12 step christian recovery that's been woven into our into mm -hmm. our dna also mm -hmm. and that's kind of the background that i came from was recovery and healing for years before i met carl and then Carl was a teaching pastor for a long, long time. And so we just kind of banded together with a group of people and said, let's let's try something that um, looks and feels and is different than, um, I mean, it couldn't be more night and day from where we came from. I had had little tastes of little pieces, and so had you. Sure. Um, along the journey, but um, that, nothing like the refuge. I mean, I, I had never experienced something like the refuge where it's like in every part of it were those things. Mm -hmm. I was always in little subsets, you know, small groups or community groups or something that had a little bit of a different ethos. So that was 10 years ago 
we celebrated our 10-year anniversary in April. And so it's kind of a little miracle that we're even alive still because we are independent. We've never been associated with a denomination. And um, we basically, because we have um, a community that is really filled with people from the margins of life and faith, we've never been self-supporting. So we've always had like outside people that help support our work. Um, mm-hmm. and, but never any, you know, we never got planting money. We never got you know, here's how you do it. We, we just built friendships and relationships with people kind of all over the place. And that's been really, really helpful to us all these years. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, so tell us a bit about the, what, what was the vision? How did the vision of the refuge come about? How did it kind of start to evolve and grow? Like, you know, from, from obviously from coming from that mega church background and then almost rejecting it in a sense. And then like, how did it kind of give birth to this refuge that you've planted? Well, it kind of evolved, don't you think? Well, I, I think we're the only, I don't know if we're the only, but I early on would say we're, we are a church plant birthed out of revenge. <laughs> <laughs> and forgiveness, bitterness, yeah, anger, yeah, yeah, and rage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are our, our basic driving pathos was, uh, you know, it was... There was a, you know, no question. We've said this. We can say this publicly. We should. We had no business planting a church. When we did, we were, we were so, we felt really angry, and wounded, and with that energy. But the reality is, those emotions create energy, and that energy is what actually helped create the refuge. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't pure. It wasn't beautiful. And I, you know, I, I, I'm a little embarrassed about that piece. But th- that, having said that, the refuge has evolved in so many ways. But in some ways, it's exactly like I think we would have said very similar things 11 years ago about why are you doing this? We're, we are communal. We're not attractional. So whatever, if you can get your heads around those words, that's just whatever fits in communal. That's what we're trying to do. Um, and we made a choice. You, we felt like you had to choose. You can either be communal and what goes with that, or you can be attractional. We felt like you can't do both. And when we even tried to do both, very quickly we, we reverted back to just being communal. Right, because that is what I think I meant by evolve. Mm-hmm. Because at the beginning, because we came from, I mean, it was mega, mega. Mm-hmm. At that point, I mean, it's gotten bigger since then, but um, we, I think some people thought they were going to kind of get that same thing in a smaller venue where you knew people. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really yeah. probably the only difference. Yeah. And so from the very beginning, we did things like we sat around tables. We did some weird thing, taking off shoes. We asked questions. We didn't have music. We had the kids were part of everything. And so basically over the first um, several months, almost every week, half the people fell off. And so like every week, but then who stayed were really dedicated to doing Mm. this together. So it was really helpful. And at first you felt bad about it. I mean, I felt bad. I was like, what are we doing wrong? And you know, how can we adjust? But I think that there was something inside, like there's just no need for another one of those. There's not right. They're already doing it great in their minds and you know it worked for a long time for me and for a lot of other people but it, the refuge is kind of been for people who it, that doesn't work for right there's in the you know here in that model in an attractional model you have a professional model which means the very best of the 
based on your income level, whatever your income resources are, you can go into the Christian marketplace and buy the best stuff. You can buy the best, whatever you can afford, you get the best worship leader, the best preacher, the best children's, whatever. And, and then you, then you create an audience. And so the audience comes and it is powerful experiences for people. And I would say, you know, kind of that front door to the Christian faith, it probably is more effective than what we do in one way. Um, but we knew we couldn't do that. Like, our big value early on was about mediocrity. Like, how can we just do this less than average so that everybody feels like, hey, I could do that. That was our goal. Like, somebody sees us do something, and you want people to go, I could do that. That that was the feeling. Wow, that's amazing. That's I love that. I mean, like, 10 years ago, that was a really radical idea because, like, 10 years ago, megachurches were at their absolute height, weren't they? I mean, it was like there was... For every every kind of theology, there was a there was a mega church. There was there was two Mars Hills. You know, there was like there was one for right. the, there was one for the more traditional theology, one for the more progressives. You know, and, yeah. you know, and yeah. you know, there were tons of mega churches springing up everywhere, and that's like everyone was kind of got sucked into it a bit. Even in the UK, I mean, we didn't have mega churches the size of the ones that you got in America. A mega church here is like a thousand, two thousand people. You know, yeah, um, over there it's about ten thousand people. Um, but, yeah, and everyone was like, oh, I wish I was part of one of those kind of churches, you know. But now, like, I mean, even I was one of those kind of people. But, like, ten years on, I'm now kind of more like, how can I make church more intimate, more, like, less is, like, less is more, you know. It's like, it's the quality of people that you have, it's the relationships that you have. Like, I'm in a, I'm in a home group, my church has got about 300 adults, you know. Um, and a lot of us know each other, Um but and it's a church plant. It started before I joined. But I'm in a home group of about ten or twelve people, and I find that that for me is more church than right. the Sunday morning. Well, I love the Sunday mornings. I love the sermons. I love the worship. I love you know. I love the people. But why I feel like I really do church is in the small group. You know, and I think that sounds a bit like what you've been doing is just a space to be vulnerable and a space to be. <laughs> like you say, mediocre. I suppose. Like, I don't have to be perfect every week, you know. And everyone's welcome as they are. Um, yeah, that's really true. Kind of, you could. That's one of my favorite things because I always intersected with a lot of people who just could never fit into anything, and they never ever got to play in any of the churches that I was in because really the pretty and the popular always were the ones that you saw the strong. You know, the charismatic, you know, those kinds of gifts are very valued um, in those kinds of systems. And so there's so much wisdom in um, everybody, you know, when everybody has an opportunity to contribute, to lead, to share, to um, be part and that there's that that playing field is equalized. A lot of amazing things happen, but it's awkward. You know, it's kind of um, it's definitely not smooth. It can be uncomfortable, you know, all those things. But I mean, I kind of think that's the way it was always supposed to be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I and mean, we're we're all in, we're all imperfect human beings, aren't we? So you know, rubbing up against each other, we're going to make mistakes. There's going to be ups and downs. Um, right. Um. Just we're going to talk about a bit more about the kind of more recent challenges that you faced in in a minute. But I just want to talk about um, your podcast, um, Faith Circus. Um, 
So how did that, because you two basically host that, um, um, and you know, I mentioned it at the beginning, and it's, it's really good. So how, how did that kind of, that come about? And what's the vision? Oh, sure, yeah, I think it was a way for us to um, give voice to what we, we heard either privately or together in conversations where people were intrigued by what was happening at the refuge. You know, so our, uh, uh, in, in sort of big terms, our, our story is a little bit about like this, this more evangelical and this more progressive Christian co-leading um, a faith community together with other people, leading with others. But, you know, we're, we're the more outgoing external personalities, and Kathy and I started it together. And so we were just trying to, we, we had these conversations all the time, so we thought, well, we'll let people listen in to these conversations, is mm-hmm. what it amounted to. That's, mm-hmm. that's I think, the way And I that was all, I mean, really, we, we didn't really have a big vision for it or anything, and we did, we've done 15 episodes for season one, and then what we found, which was really fun, is we just kind of put a microphone, and we didn't, you know, we brainstormed a few things that we wanted to talk about to start. And then we just started talking, and we did find that it was really fun, um, and that there was something about that space that I don't know. We could let loose a little bit and um, not worry about kind of about what that meant for the refuge community as leadership, or you know, just like as two people talking. Yeah. And um, that felt. I think Carl said you said yesterday maybe it's like a free zone or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, we, yeah, we had fun. I mean, we're, we, we've been slogging through some hard stuff for a long time. I mean, 10 years of the refuge has not been a cakewalk um, for sure. And so, um, but it's been really good. It's just that this kind of work is hard. I don't think it's that hard to, quote unquote, pop up a church and run a service. I don't think that that's super hard. I'm not saying it doesn't require skill, but I don't know. It doesn't have some of the things that highly relational, that highly vulnerable, that um, uh, big changing big systems of power, you know, and helping those on the underside come up (laughs) to equality. Like those things are hard. So much pain. There's yeah. a lot of pain at the refuge. There's a lot of hope there too. But anyway, so the the thing about Faith Circus that kind of helped us do it, it, it was, I don't know, we laughed and cried and <laughs> just talked about hard things. And mm. one of the reasons why Carl first suggested it is because we know in the wider world, everyone's having a hard time staying together and yeah. everyone's having a hard time not dividing. And people want to talk about this stuff, but nobody knows how. And Facebook is like the worst mechanism possible to talk about so many of these things. But people are really itching to talk about it and kind of don't even know how. So that's what we were trying to do, too. Mm. Yeah. Just yeah. people could listen in. And that's, what I, that's, that's, that's one of the things I love about podcasting is you can just talk. And you can. And that's why I love interviewing people, because it's just a conversation. You know, it's not. It's better than I mean I don't I don't like to do formal interviews I prefer just to have conversations like we're having you know just discuss you know important stuff because it's a it's a great space to be able to do that and to do that honestly you know and directly because when you're right I mean I'm a writer and I love to write and writing's great um, but I've always felt like podcasting I can actually talk to people you know and they hear my voice you know they actually hear what I sound like. Um, I mean, every medium has its like strengths and weaknesses. I think one of the strengths of podcasting definitely is that you get to hear people's voices and 
feel their emotions. And I remember actually listening to the most recent episode that you did, which I'll talk about in a minute, and um, being very moved by that. And um, and it wouldn't have been the same if I'd read that. You know, um, some messages are meant for certain mediums, if you see what I mean. Um, yeah. Rob Bell talks about that a lot. About how one thing's a book and one thing's a talk and one thing's a podcast, whatever, you know. Um, yeah, and certainly I felt that with, with your podcast. And there's a very natural chemistry with you as well um i can tell just by talking to you here you know that there's a real connection and there's a lot going on a lot of you you know so um that's awesome and it is a really great podcast so um i'm looking forward to season two um so um okay so yeah i just um because I, i touched already on the challenges that you've had in your in the refuge um more recently um so just, just tell us a bit about, just go and just share that story. What, what happened and how that, how that um, unraveled, I suppose. How that. How that evolved. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was sitting wondering since you've listened to it, what do you want to give a stab at a summary oh, and yeah, we can that's... speak into it? Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, I've told well, this so many times. I don't know that I, you know, I, I'd be interesting to hear somebody else. Well, when I, from what I heard, um, and uh, it was very much the, the the shooting was around the time of the shooting in Orlando, and um, that brought to light some issues with theology and you hadn't and you hadn't been you've been doing you hadn't had many marriages in your church but you've been conducting weddings and so um and Kathy was quite moved by what happened in Orlando and felt there needed to be a response and it brought up some issues that hadn't been really talked about before or had been kind of um, not 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 left under the surface because they had been talked about, but just kind of almost shifted to one side and tried to you tried to move through them instead of um, really confronting them. And I'm not this is not a criticism at all. Um, and then you had to just then you had to have serious discussions about what the future was and what you had to do as a church and how you had to respond. And and uh, you know, and Carl had to make a decision about his role and. And what the future for that was, and it was a very, very difficult, very painful um, experience, a kind of a grieving experience, and um, but a very necessary one. And um, yeah, that's that. That was kind of how I saw it. Um, I haven't probably gone into that much detail, but um, because I don't want to kind of tread on your toes, as it were, because I wasn't, I wasn't there. I didn't experience it, but. Um, that's how I saw it. It sort of was like a church, and it to me it was a really great example of inclusive. What a real inclusive church is, because I've always said inclusive church is about people of different perspectives, different backgrounds, different theologies, as well as you know what. It, it basically, we're all different. We all have different. You know, it's not just about sexuality. Inclusive church, because a lot of people talk about inclusive churches just being about sexuality. I don't. I don't agree with that. I think inclusive churches where you can coexist with people who believe different things than you um, and still have community together and still do life together and still love each other and still be, yeah, still just exist in community together. Whatever your differences are, you know, whether those differences are theological or whether they're to do with your sexuality or gender or race or background or 
you know, whatever, that you can still coexist in community and love each other and be church. And to me, what you, when I listened to your story, it was kind of, this is, this, is, this is exactly what that looks like. You know, there was no bitterness, there was no resentment, there was no anger, there was no ego. It was, it was just honesty and friendship and community. You know, we disagree on certain things, but that doesn't change, doesn't change our relationship. It just, you know, um, it was a grown-up way of doing church. You know, um, and yeah, I was really moved by it, and kind of thought, I thought we need more, we need more churches like this. You know, <laughs> to be honest. So, um, so tell, yeah, I mean, that's how I saw it. So, what was your kind of perspective on it, and what do you think of my perspective? I suppose um, that was a good question, Carl, to ask because it just helps to know what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's parts of that that are definitely accurate. Um, I, the only thing that, that, and it's just because you're not here and aren't in the day-to-day, but it might be good for anyone listening. Like, if they want to kind of go back and listen to it, they can go to faithcircus.org and listen to the podcast. But a big piece is that it just, the timing was after Orlando, but it had it wasn't directly related to Orlando at all. We had, uh, Carl and I, we kind of came from the same place, um, we were always a little different from the beginning. Um, you know, Carl, Carl, the ch- Carl's church experience was a little different than mine, although they kind of came from the same strain um, of evangelicalism. And um, so, you know, from the very beginning, leaving the big church for me was a really painful experience. It caused a big, huge faith shift and kind of an unraveling of a lot of things. So the reason I say that is that that's all part of the refuge story mm-hmm. is kind of me changing a lot in some of the things that when I came in or before we started, I might've believed. Um, and so a piece I mean, it's 10 years in. So we always kind of had a little bit of that, um, difference. It wasn't like in our face every day or anything, but it was hard Some views in the Bible and what it meant to be Christian community and just some of those things that we bumped up against. But, you know, gay marriage 10 years ago wasn't really a thing. And so it, that's like something we walked into. I mean, there's always been people, LGBTQ people, part of the refuge in some way. And that was before Colin and I knew each other in the ministries that I was in. And everyone was always included and all those things. But there really wasn't a sense of um, this getting married thing um, as in, in the church and in the state. It just wasn't. And so when we hit it, I knew the day would come because I have a lot of gay friends. I have for years and years and journeyed with them. So I kind of knew it would happen. So that was three years ago, three and a half years ago. The conversation started at the refuge because I married a couple. And, um, and so when it, when it kind of rose to the surface, it just kind of it revealed that difference. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 summary is that is you know it it on one hand it's fair to say it a lot of it was rooted in the gay marriage and what what that means as a faith community how we're going to walk through that together. You know, Kathy and I again, you know, we tried to we're aligned on tons and tons of stuff, and for sure, um, I would say I'm in, in America. We you know, there's this idea of what the church is doing and what the country, the laws are and stuff like that. So I would advocate for full equality for gay friends, um, 
as adults, they can make any decision they want. The, the bottom line was I didn't feel like as a faith community, we, we could sign, I could sign off saying, I know for sure that gay marriage is the same as heterosexual marriage as the way God intended marriage in the garden. When God created that story in the garden, um, I see gay marriage as something different than that story. That would be my little summary of it. And so then when the, you know, the long and short of it is, and there's no, rehashing that's not going to be helpful here, it, it just became clear that to make this work, what, we'll, what I'm going to need to do from my perspective, I'm going to need to step out of being a co-pastor here and figure out a new way to enter into our community. So that's the phase you're finding us in. We don't know what that's going to be like right now, but we're still together. I'm still, I'm still Carl at the refuge, and it, and um, but I'm not, I'm not serving in the same way. We're transitioning from me serving as a co-pastor to me serving as um, a, a different kind of pastor, um, and we just don't know what that's going to be. But yeah, in fairness, it had to do with, it, but that's why I was saying it, it, the gay marriage issue, but. Progressives and evangelicals—I don't know if they use those terms in the same way in the in the UK as they do here—but we do see the Bible. What happens is we kind of read the scriptures differently, and so we use some of the same words. Like we would talk about, I would I would want to be part of an inclusive church, but I may I think the way I might envision what that looks like is probably different than the way Kathy would envision that. But we would both affirm that we as churches need to be inclusive. Now, what's that going to look like? that's going to probably look a little different for an inclusive evangelical church versus an inclusive progressive church. Mm. What does it mean to be Christian? Even How do you define what is a Christian? You know, it's not a big deal, but I think progressives and evangelicals probably have some nuances that are different. Mm. Those are the things that we're always navigating. And that's what, so that's what Faith Circus is, is a place for us to dialogue those differences. This is how I see it. This is how you see it. This is why you're wrong. <laughs> and this is why I'm wrong. You know, I mean, so we can we can just say it. You know, I think I think it's safer to own it and then try to humbly go. This is what I think so far. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. That's yeah. I mean, so I mean, it's really been taxing yeah. because our community our community had to wrestle with all this, mm. and so um, you know we're we're in a good place. We're in a great place as a community because everyone's really dedicated to each other. But it's been hard. Yep. That decision that Carl felt really strongly that he needed to make was really hard. And so now, but now it's been made, you know, and now we're we're working on sort of the next um, phase. So three years, it just reared its head again, that's all. Three years ago, we agreed to anybody could do whatever they felt called by God to do. Me, Carl, anybody else in the community, um, because in Colorado, anybody can marry anybody. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be clergy. And so... Um, it just, it kind of came back around in a new way. And, um, and so we were forced to talk about it in a new way. And it, 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 it's really troubling times, you know, lots happened even in three years, three years, things have changed. Yeah. So three years, kind of the ways it it just is interesting how the conversation and culture and all around the world, but certainly in the, you know, in the United States, it's really it's really changed. And then the timing on Orlando was just really rough. <laughs> yeah, we had made, see, all this decision had been made, and we had we had made the decision to talk about it on Faith Circus. And that weekend is when Orlando happened. Yeah. So that was part of the emotion. I mean, it was going to be hard anyhow, 
and then you add into it the horror of a massacre, and you know, and now it's, you know, the, the emotions are pretty raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it was. When we felt the we felt the the weight of that over here, to be honest, as well. Um, yeah, Orlando, that was. Um, yeah, everyone. I think everyone was, was, you know, hit a lot by that, um, and um, yeah, it is. I mean, it's. Yeah, it is very challenging times. It's challenging times everywhere. I mean, it feels like. I mean, in the UK, we've just had the um, referendum uh, on the um, membership of the European Union, and um, the result of that has unleashed a lot of um, race race crime. Um, I think people who were, you know, had who were racist but didn't feel they were able to say so publicly because of you know the laws and you know political correctness and stuff. Um, well, in their perspective, anyway, I suddenly felt they've got permission to do horrible things, say horrible things, make people feel excluded. You know, you've got incredible, insane things going on. Um, you know. You know, posters saying Polish people go home, all this kind of thing. Um, just horrible, horrible stuff. Um, and there's been an atmosphere of kind of uncertainty and fear, and over here as well. Um, and uh, many people are questioning things, just like you are. You know, it's um, and it's obviously it's slightly different, but there's definitely that atmosphere of fear over here as well. And um, I mean, what what is how is what's happening politically? I mean, as well as you know, obviously the Orlando and things like that. How is that impacting your own faith journeys, like your relationships with God and your journey as a church outside of you know what we've talked about? National convention this week. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I did think it was quite ironic that the Republican convention had had as one of its um, mottos "Make America Safe Again." You know, yeah. <laughs> after yeah. Anyway, that's just my personal. Jake, that's I have my... a lot easier time talking about other people's faith and what they're doing. You know, than I do my own. Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I feel like I'm in the in the throes of. I I'm, I would say spiritually I feel I'm disoriented right now, mm. you know, in terms of that's just a personal thing, and it's but I think probably there is a and some of that's attached to just my you know who I am individually. Some of that is a big piece of that who who am I in community? Who am I in the wider community? Like you know, community is a is a is a basket word and it means different things. So there I have my refuge community and I'm. I feel I'm, that feels new to me now in a way. Feels different to me. Mm. And then even how am I in the Christian community? A little wider circle than that feels different too. And it happened. It does. It, it, this is maybe worse. But every four years, you you feel it. You know, because we we our election cycle for the presidents every four years, and you feel this polarization. You 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 feel this. I, instead of my team being this sort of team Jesus, it's it's team Republican or team Democrat or mm. team Libertarian, and 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 then Christian becomes a subset of that, mm. and I and that's troubling to me, and yet it's it's just part of our culture. Mm-hmm. 
that's so true. I mean, that's what's... I don't know. It's tricky times. I mean, it's tricky times everywhere, but this has kind of uncovered, I think, the race thing, the LGBTQ thing, the the um, election. I mean, it's really, it's really unveiled a lot of really hard things in our country and in our church, um, as in the wider church. And so um, I think for me, I mean, I'm kind of in a, I'm in a decent place sort of spiritually after a huge unraveling like that's a little piece I'm not saying I'm anchored anywhere and like solid ground like I used to be but something has kind of and this has evolved over the chunk of years of just for me I tried to leave Jesus in this whole process and I just couldn't I just could not leave Jesus and um so and that would have been easier for me I know a lot of people who have to be honest in their process have just left the church, quote unquote, left being part of the system. And I'm not everybody has left Jesus, but certainly the Jesus that they once knew, you know, not, not aligning that way. And so I don't know, I've kind of gotten a little bit more passion for mm. some of that. Um, and you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a lot. I mean, to be honest with some of our story is just, for me, the equality thing is a really, really big deal. And it's not that it's not a big deal to Carl. I'm not saying it's not. It's just that, that my faith, it, like, it's all super, super strong in this crazy way that has nothing to do with Carl or anybody else. Like something just got maybe a little nuts inside of me related to that. But it's helped sustain me. It's kind of like helped me stay in because I think Jesus turns the systems of power on its head. And everything is about moving towards equality um, with all people. So anyway, and that's uh, the long and short of it is that I'm always a little bit weird about um, going, here's exactly what I know now to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't known a lot of things in a lot, a lot of times, but I, I do kind of feel like this is the direction I'm supposed to be walking um, and alongside people, my friends of all places. And this has challenged me. I'm going to come back to that, like what it, true inclusivity is, because it is easy to have inclusivity to just, if, when you're like, lean a little more to the left like me, it's easier to just kind of only want to be around people who believe that. Mm. And so, and that's what I've been really challenged personally in my faith. What does it mean for me to be a safer person for my evangelical friends, my Republican friends, my libertarian friends, you know, and I'm, I, I, because I have sometimes this thing inside of me, I'm not the safest person in that department. So I'm trying to be, um, and then what does it look like to create a community that can really hold all of that? And that's, it's not the easiest job in the world to do. Um, because everyone's uncomfortable and sometimes you don't have that feeling of like being these are all my people you know and we're all marching in the same direction you know and I I do miss that from from the olden days yeah yeah it is a difficult difficult time I mean I really am full of admiration about how you manage to not look down or not patronise or not be so critical of people you disagree with you because we all believe we're right we all believe that you know it's human nature to kind of believe that your opinion is the right one you know and that especially if you've come to that conclusion after a lot of reading and reflection and prayer and you know and 
to be able to allow space for people who have completely the opposite opinion and not get wound up, not get annoyed, not get frustrated, not get uh, and not be cruel and not you know is is to be able to do that is is a really amazing thing and something that I I need to do better at that because I um, I struggle with that with people who disagree with me not just in faith but people you know in politics and that kind of thing where I feel like you know I've got my opinion and I think I'm right and other people and you know it's really easy not to get sucked into you know the the gossip and the, the you know and the the kind of cynicism and all that kind of thing and criticism and trying to win the argument you know um, and we you know inclusive church you know we need to we need to move past that I mean that's but it's not easy like you say um, but definitely I've seen more of it I mean you're going to probably be embarrassed but certainly in our from seeing you two talking to you listening to you that there's more of that in your church and certainly between you two than there is in a lot of churches and a lot of communities I would say you know please don't for a minute don't think that we haven't been annoyed frustrated <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure you do, but... angry I mean oh my gosh don't think that please yeah <laughs> because all those things have been present yeah no doubt yeah no doubt. I'm sure that they are I mean I, I, I what I was trying to say probably not very well was you keep it, you have more self-control, I guess. It seems like you have, anyway. Yeah. I haven't met you, I've not been to your church, but I don't know. I'm podcast. I'm like a really good Christian on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My wife could give you some insights, however. Right. <laughs> I wish sometimes we had a video camera to oh. just record... Um, to just record, if if we, you know, and that is that's just the reality. Is you can't always you can't always capture all the conversations. We try and be as honest as we can. So that's why I just want to make sure people are really clear how hard it's been for a long time. Not just like in the last few months, as this reared its head again. It's hard, and you know, I was thinking, I was thinking yesterday, actually, a conversation that is so true that when when you have like your tribe like you feel all this like connection it's just easy you're like oh yeah I got that I agree with that and you know and then sometimes I mean and I love Carl because there's so many things that we agree on but we do disagree on something theologically and politically and some of that you know it's it is hard it's hard because it just doesn't have that's what's so important I think about staying together as friends and as people in the body of Christ and not leaving and all that. But I think it's important to acknowledge how hard it is to do mm. and that we, we all want to be, feel more comfortable or more juice in our kind of way that feels energizing to us. And so, um, it's a, it's a really good challenge to like live with that and not yeah. try and fix it and not try and make the other person see that, that did kind of stop in one way. I mean, you just can't convince each other of yeah. core, core things. You know, I think one thing that helps me when I'm present enough to remember is that all of the love kind of commands in the Bible are, are only really applicable in those moments when you feel, when you're not feeling those things that come natural. Like, when I'm connected and it feels warm, that's a wonderful experience. I'm not saying there isn't a component that we call love that, 
but the commands don't really come into play because I'm not a, I'm not in danger of not loving you. It's when you piss me off. It's when I feel like I want to get away from you. That's why he's commanding me, using that word, to not get away from you. And that's that's the that's where it's hard. You know, it, it's it's we I we just have such a romantic expressions of love and unity. And I don't think the New Testament is very romantic in that sense. It's it was pretty it was just awful what some things they were challenged with. And then that story of that's why I think it is Jesus saying, This is how they're gonna know you really are my people. Mm-hmm. Like a whole bunch of white Republicans sitting together that are middle class, nobody's going, Wow, how do they stay together? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But if you do have a group where it the church should not make sense anywhere but in church. It should not work. It can't work. It can't work in a government. It can't work. It, it shouldn't make sense. It should be baffling to everyone, except for those of us that are in the church. And then it makes perfect sense. That's what we're, you know, that's kind of what we keep striving for, is this place that really will make no sense anywhere. Mm. No, and I love that, Kyle. That's a good reminder for me, too, because that's where we really mm-hmm. totally 100% Absolutely. agree. Yep. We 100% agree on that. And even, I mean, I'll be honest, there's lots of people have told both Carl and I, like, there's no way you can do what you just did and stay together in a community. There's no way you can somehow lead together still in some capacity. There's no way you can still be friends in the same way. And the that's because that's it's typically, typical that you can't, mm-hmm. not just in the world, in church. Oh, true. And so the it's the worst. Oh, it looks it's no the worst. Different. It looks no different. It's actually worse. No. And so, you know, and it doesn't mean, that's not why I'm so dedicated to it, to prove anybody wrong. But I, I, I'm i willing to go, I don't, I don't agree with you guys. I know you're right with conventional wisdom and what you've experienced. But there is a higher, there's a higher calling that I feel like God has called me and us to. And, and we don't know, it's still an experiment, but we're sure trying because I love Carl and, um, and Carl loves me and I drive him crazy. He drives me crazy, but there is this thing that is, and I do believe that that is Jesus that binds us together. And so, and I'm just so distraught about everybody dividing. It just Mm -hmm. makes me want to throw up. And, um, and just everybody polarizing and everybody saying, there's no way that you can somehow figure this out. Yeah. yeah. That's the, the big idea of, of faith circus really is how do we, how do we create true unity? What is unity going to look like? And I don't think we know, honestly, we're still, it, it's, it's an ever evolving story. But one thing we've hit on is you can't have it if you can't talk about it. So you know, you, you can't go to your corner of the kingdom with your sort of your people and talk about it. That's not going to create unity. Mm-hmm. If you're just, got, you know, I think you wanted, somebody here said gossip a minute ago. And gossip, that's what it is. I'm talking about those people in my circle, but I'm not talking to my brothers and sisters. And that's the, there's something about that that helps us on this path towards unity. But that's what we're trying to walk towards. What does unity really look like? Yeah, that's... I love that because, like you, I'm. I get so frustrated by all the divisions, you know, in culture and church and everything. It's just, it's like it's so contrary to how we're meant to be, you know. It's and it's not healthy, you know. I, 
it just leads to such negativity and hurt and suffering and you know and yeah uh yeah by the way just to clarify for everyone um you you two are not married to each other are you you're... no <laughs> i mean Thank i knew God. that already i just wanted to clarify yeah, that for the listeners i i've got to quit telling jokes i i in that moment i wanted to say not anymore and you know i thought that would be funny but this is not funny, but I think it's funny. It's not that funny. Right it's not that funny. Not right now. No, we've been married. Carl's been married 30, how many years? 35 years, and I've been married to April, and I've been married 26 years, almost 26 years, to Jose. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I knew that already. I just wanted to make, clarify that for, for listeners who might, yeah, might be getting a bit confused. But, um, yeah. Um, so, oh, crikey. Where to go with this? Um, what... What room is there? How much, how much room do you try and make for mystery in both in your own kind of spiritual journeys and also in as a community, you know, um, in your faith? <laughs> they just, say, they just looked at This is like the third time, like three, I think three questions at least when I've asked questions. This is for listeners. Like they've looked, at, they've they've stopped and silently looked at each other and started laughing, you know. And uh, it's, um, it's, I mean, but, it's all mystery, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying, I mean, a lot of Christ, lot of a lot of faith is about certainty. A lot of Christ, a lot of theology is about certainty, you know. And I'm a big advocate of mystery and you know ex- exploration. And you know, I, lo- I like looking at the mystics and you know that kind of thing and just. Um, seeing the unknown of God, you know, and going deeper with God into areas we don't even know about, and learning more. Um, not, not every church does that, you know. And I just, I just wanted to kind of see where you kind of were on that, that journey. Yeah, I mean, I, the refuge adds a really high value on mystery, <laughs> and so um, you know that's a big piece of. So many, not every, everyone at the refuge is different. Not every person has had some kind of radical faith shift. I mean, in, in terms of I used to be this and now I'm not so sure, but a lot have. Um, a lot have left traditional church systems and, um, and you know, beliefs that they that we used to hold on to really tightly. And, you know, kind of in faith shift, that's the material that I wrote and you know, blogged about for a long time. You know, it's kind of moving from, Fusing, which is certainty and conformity and affiliation, and um, you know, way way on the other side is some rebuilding something new after unraveling, and that is freedom. The, the desire for freedom and mystery and diversity, and I think those are really high values for well, for me personally. I mean, I'll say they're guiding. Um, and then you know, I don't want to speak for everybody in the refuge, but I think a lot of people are you know value that. Um, and so, you know, I think that, I think that, um, faith kind of just honoring how much we don't know is really helpful. Um, but then there's things that we do know and that's, what's always tricky. So people, I, the word gets used in different, gets used in different ways. Like even in the scriptures, it gets used as something that is, that is true, but impossible to put into words. So the mystery of bride in the the groom christ in the church is is called mystery you know the there's there's a lot of mystery which means that i don't know doesn't mean i don't know anything 
it means I can't make the, I think one of the, one of the uses of it, it means I can't make the pieces fit. Like logic would tell me everything has to, I got to be able to connect all the dots to make the picture. And I think mystery is it's okay to have what looks like disconnected dots and trusting that God somehow can paint the picture. I, I think mystery is another way for people to describe what they mean by faith too. In other words, without a sense of doubt or unknowing, how do I have faith? You know, I, I'm not touching, I don't have faith that Kathy's sitting here with me because I'm touching her and I can see her, but I have mystery in our relationship because I can't touch that. I don't know. I can't control. And then I think another way is the idea of moving away from controlling God. Like I, I know in my story, what scares me about mystery is I want to actually control God. And there's parts, there are parts of my faith that make God controllable to me. That's what it feels like. And, and to let go of that is what I think some people describe as mystery is I can't control that, you know, and I can't answer. I can't answer for God some things. That's, it's mysterious. Something like that. So the refuge, the refuge has a value, I would say, of, of exploration, too. Mm. So, being, you know, that, that's a piece of what mystery has led us is let's explore this. Let's not just write it. Let's, let's not have a doctrinal statement that is chiseled in stone and then now we've put it away. And we really never need to visit that again. Mm. You know, we, we say we've written everything in pencil because it changes and you fudge and you tweak. That seems like mystery to me. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And mystery leaves room for creativity, of course. It leaves room for evolution, you know, um, and changing and growing and finding new things and risking and yeah. going to new places, yeah, sure. you know. Um, I love that, you know. Um, so, yeah, wow. <laughs> well, God, there's probably so many things that we could talk about. Um but thank you for today. It's been so encouraging. Um, it really has um, to hear your story and your thoughts. And, you know, um, yeah, it's just really inspiring. Um, I mean, so just to finish, like, what is one thing, if you could say something to somebody who is maybe struggling in their church community, uh, somebody who is wrestling with where they belong uh, someone who or maybe people who are trying to thinking about starting their own church community or their own little community like you've started what what word of kind of hope and encouragement would you say to people like that right now <laughs> <laughs> well I, I honestly I know on the one if, if you if you want to start something do it mm-hmm there's no downside. There's no, I mean, I'm not saying start it like we did out of anger and bitterness, but if, if there's a peaceful way, if you have five friends and you, you want to do something together, that can be Christian community. And I think reinventing new ways to do what we call church would be awesome. So speaking of mystery and creativity, I would love to see a lot more fun, creative ways Churches of 10,000 and churches of five, you know, what, what, anything along that spectrum, I would say, try it. What do you got to lose? Try that. Um, yeah, my first thought was just, just do it. It's how we were thinking the same thing. Just, 
just do it and see what it looks like. And if you're in an existing church, though, and you, you know, you, you try and are trying to kind of change it, I think it's okay to go, I tried and not that that helped and churches do change because they get influenced by the people in them but sometimes systems aren't ready to change they don't want to and that's okay that's not that bad but it's okay to say what what is God's stirring in me what is the longing what am I desiring on how to live out my faith how do I want to practice who do I want to practice with and just do something and, um, and I really love what, what you said, Carl, because it's like there's so many forms. And my other advice would be don't look at other people and yep. try and do it like them right. because mm-hmm. that's where everyone gets bumped up. And um, I think you can get good ideas. I think you can get great ideas. But you have to go, who am I? You know, it's kind of like writing because you're a writer. You, know, you, want, you go, oh, that's an amazing writer. I want to be like them. Well, we're not them. We're us. And how do I bring my unique voice and just stay with it and kind of not have the distractions? And I think church communities, whether they're five people or 500 people, whatever they are, should go, here's who we are. Mm. And um, that's really hard to stay with. So that would be my advice is to try, you know, uh, what does Oscar Wilde say? We have, my kids always say it, you know, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. You know, just be yourself, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Fantastic. And, just a word of hope to people. What's giving What's giving you hope at the moment? You know, such difficult times. You know that we're living. Obviously, we've talked about. What's What is it that's giving you hope at the moment? He's <laughs> looking at me because that's my favorite word. Um, <laughs> no, you know what's giving me hope, honestly, is that I see people's dignity being restored all the time. In community, um, you know, that's not just in the refuge, that's in a lot of other places, but I get to kind of taste it a little more clearly in the refuge and see it. What happens when people feel loved, um, when people feel respected, when people feel um, they matter, that they're not, they're out of their lonely house and connected to other people. So that to me gives me personally just a lot of hope because it means that something about connection in community God flows through that and heals and restores people. And so it's it, it keeps me going. Like a good story, a simple story, not a like, oh my gosh, it was a 180 in their life. We're talking, I actually called somebody instead of taking a drink, and I used to not have somebody to call before. And I would manage that alone. And now they're like, I'm doing that. In, you know, And I've got all different forms of that. I'm just using that one example because... I, there's people now that can kind of be with me and this body together, and that's the most beautiful thing to me. It makes it all worth it. Yeah, I, my, my, I think I would say something similar, that when people are taking first steps towards some kind, whatever sobriety looks like for them, that, that that's always really hopeful. There is that, that It feels like you're witnessing the somebody being tr- transformed and conformed and all the good stuff. Um, and, and I think sometimes I am actually hopeful when I, I, I see even people that have very strong polarizing opinions, I, you'll see compassion leak out of them when you get them off Facebook. And, you know, we're not in person. There is a lot of people do have a lot more compassion maybe than we think. It just takes a little longer to pull it out of them. Yeah. But if I repel myself, if I get so offended by their Facebook, 
persona, then I don't have that opportunity. Then I won't experience that. Oh, they do have a, you know, there, there is something in there that God's doing and it's just awkward right now. And so I think, I think people, and, and oh, people giving me grace, letting, you know, when people are graceful to me going, that's always helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you, say one other thing, because this is the first time that Carl and I have actually talked with somebody like about what we We've been like our heads have kind of been down. We've oh, since all this came up. Yeah, yeah so today kind of gives me hope. It mm-hmm. was good. It was good to talk to you. It was good to be in the room with Carl and um, talking about mm-hmm. our dreams and those kinds of things. And even all this hasn't, you know, that doesn't kill those things. Yeah. It actually makes it kind of found them. So that gives me hope. Thanks, awesome. James. Awesome. Thank you so much. Just, yeah, I just want to, yeah, really encourage you to just keep going and doing what you're doing because it's really amazing and um, yeah, really encouraging and inspiring. So, uh, thank you and thank you for coming on today. Thanks, it was fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. Okay, everyone. Well, that's that's it for this week. Um, take care, and we'll talk soon.